Hello and welcome to the Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. And boy, we are buzzing across Ontario and all Baptist fans across Canada. But before we get into that, we've got to talk a bit about the rest of the NBA and kind of survey what's going on in the East and West Finals. How's it going today, Evan? Not too bad. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Raptors fan. Um... Especially after like the season we just had, I felt like at points we were saying like, "Oh, this may, this may actually be worth it." Especially with this type of class, and it, it kind of ended out, ended off paying dividends. Although you know, who knows what's going to happen until it happens. Um, the conference finals almost don't seem as exciting to me as the previous rounds. I don't know what you're, and part of it's the injuries, but. Part of it's the matchups. Uh, what do you think? I mean, none of them. I feel like even though Trey Young did make it really, really interesting in game one where he absolutely went off like a rocket and just shredded the Bulls through and through. But I think as we've seen the past couple games, the series is definitely favoring the Bucks and is a lot closer than we did, you know, I would have expected, honestly. But with mm-hmm. that being said, I feel like it's kind of case in point for the Bucks. still. I'm still very confident they'll advance to the NBA Finals. Yeah, then- I feel like there's no huge takeaways to make from that series other than, like, it's just a reminder, and you saw it, everyone saw it last night. It's like, if Middleton literally plays, like, well, the, the Bucks can't really be beaten. All he has to do is play well. He doesn't play well frequently um and hasn't played well frequently especially the playoffs but if he does um it feels like the bucks like the bucks are automatic even though like last night was even a a close game it felt like the bucks were gonna win um but when Giannis has that second option well when Middleton's on he really turns into the first offensive option but I feel like having that in addition to Giannis and the attention being taken away it, it becomes they become a really good team. No, and I like you said, there's not too many big takeaways. I don't think either us either of us are surprised by Middleton's success here. We both picked the Bucks to go to the finals. I picked them to win it. I forget if you picked them to win it or not, but we know what this team is capable of. And as long as two of Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Middleton are going off, they have a very good chance to win the game. Yeah, I, I picked the Bucks to make it out of the East. I picked the Lakers to win the finals. Um, we know how that went. Um, I mean, to West... go back to that point, though, is when we were talking about that first round matchup, I believe we said this is the uh, Western Conference Finals right here. Whoever the... wins the series is going all the way. Phoenix versus Lakers. Yeah, in the first round. Yeah, we, we thought that Phoenix was the second best team. And with that being said, I feel like they've kind of showed that throughout these first couple games here. Yeah, um, they. I'm surprised they're not beating up the Clippers a bit more. The Clippers are have a bit more fight in them than I had thought. Um, one thing I don't understand is is Ty Lue was getting a lot of praise towards the beginning of this series, and he deserves it. And um, Obviously, there's the whole first to win a championship in Cleveland and then the first to take the Clippers to the conference finals. Uh, I thought down 2-0 
doc made an amazing movie said marcus morris is not doing anything and i've said like the whole playoffs like if you have to rely on that guy as your third option and i think Kawhi is great and reggie jackson's actually played really well too it's just i don't know how far you're gonna go um marks they sat marcus morris in game three they brought terrence mann on to start i love that worked well it Phoenix shot a really poor percentage. That was the first game Paul was back as well. Two days later, he inserted Marcus Morris back into the starting lineup, took Terrence Mann out of it. Marcus Morris went two for eight. He scored four points, didn't really do much. Um, He's clearly not playing totally healthy. But, like, that was was weird to me. I don't know. That's, that's, but like, then again, that's really the only takeaway, like, I have. Like, it's Phoenix's series if Kawhi doesn't come back. And if Kawhi does come back, which allegedly won't be happening because traveling to Phoenix, the elevation is bad for his knee. And he's got to be pretty injured, by the way. Um, it's I, I Phoenix's was listening series. to a, uh, another podcast. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, uh, they were talking about how they, messaged other players in the league about Kawhi's injury just not that they would necessarily have intel on it but just like how long do you think it would take to come back from an injury like that and mm-hmm. kind of the consensus was four to six months yeah right like why if Kawhi could be playing he would it's just it feels weird they're like it's almost like they don't want to release the severity of the injury just so that if they but a somehow miracle kind of maybe win the next game, maybe win the game after, and it's at a point where it's 3-3. And it's hard not to be like, even, and, and again, the Clippers shouldn't play, like play, play him. They should see him as a long-term investment, even though he's a free agent technically in the summer. He clearly wants to be there. But like, I feel like they're not necessarily disclosing everything because if it gets to that game seven scenario, it's kind of, it's like, uh, it's kind of tough not to almost play him. And then maybe the next round they, they sit him for the first part of the series, but, but yeah, he's no, clearly very injured. Where you're coming from. And I mean, he hobbled on one leg in some of the Toronto series we had, especially after Philadelphia. Mm hmm. And that was all, I think that was all kind of like cramps and that stuff based. And this is ACL. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with that. And we'll see. A couple things I wanted to draw attention to in this series was one, I I thought it was extreme. Like I thought it was really impressive how Devin Booker came back with the broken nose. Like that is not a small injury. Like breaking your nose hurts. It aches. Like you, and Coming back, I know he didn't shoot great in his mask game, but he must have had the worst headache of his life. Yeah, I'd say I think it's con. I think NBA players, the facial bone injuries, you, you can play right away, but um, the the story that um, keeps on coming up is that you, like you can't shoot apparently, you can't really see the rim that well, which is kind of making sense. Uh, considering the results, but like, I mean, yeah, he's still, he's still a tough guy for going out there. I, on that subject, I hadn't realized that Bruce, Bruce 
Brown on the Nets was playing like the entire playoffs with like four broken bones all over his face and only like threw a mask on at, at very specific points and times and kind of threw it off at other points because he didn't like it. But yeah, I think I think you can play through it. I mean, I I'm not one to say like uh it's easy. It's definitely not, but I think pain wise it's it's not terrible, but apparently like you just can't you can't really see the basket. It's just hard to shoot. No, and it looks like it definitely like and like even though it's clear, you've looked through that plexiglass before at like a hockey game or whatever. It's not the same as just staring right at it. Not at all. And when things are going so fast, yeah, it's totally. And you're you're worried that yeah, it's 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 a deal. And I guess the other deal you could say on Phoenix is how effective uh, Aiden's been. I mean, mm-hmm. he's shooting above 70% from the field. Well, he's mainly dunking and hooking. but And he came out this week saying Chris Paul coming to Phoenix and kind of mentoring him and doing his Chris Paul things is the best thing that ever happened to him. I'd, I'd hope so. I mean, it's awesome to see, and I felt this way about, I don't know if you're going to recall this back to the game, game seven of, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, but Brooke Lopez and specifically Brooke Lopez's height and reach was super effective. It's nice to see big man. It's not like Aiton's uh, like dominating, but it's like whenever he gets the ball, he's at a clear advantage and he's, he's taking like advantage of that advantage per se. It feels like almost every single time, like his conversion rate, um, it almost feels like it is what it should be, but it's other players aren't doing it. So there's like, it's nice to see. I found, and I thought this way, especially with Lopez. Um, not that they're back to like banging down low and being and posting up, but it feels like the Clippers have had to play Zubach more than they wanted to because, like, you have to account for Aiden. I think that's a nice storyline not like him dominating but um it balances out the game i find no i totally agree with you i've 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 loved his kind of explosion here in the playoffs i mean he was good during the regular season but just the efficiency and saying and zubach has been terrible this season i mean i feel like terrible i feel like the suns are killing him with like aiden's killing him whether he's on the floor or not so i like that's another point but i think they personally shouldn't play him anymore yeah the he gets stuck in he Zubach has trouble guarding Aiton but then when he gets when it's in a Booker and or CP3 screen and roll with Aiton it becomes a whole a whole different issue but yeah he tough assignment but yeah no he's struggling and another thing is it's not like like you said not only is Aiden huge I feel like he's one of the most athletic seven footers in the nba right now i'm kind of just going through the list and i guess you could say maybe moses brown moves like he does but yeah i was just gonna say he's not he's not like as well he's not like a 38 inch vertical guy and he's not a pin you to the backboard super high up guy but he's like the right weight where he's super strong and has a really easy time backing people down and, and securing rebounds and, and post position. 
but at the same time, like it going back to him not being athletic, and this is why I thought I I found that JV's kind of gotten better in the latter years. He moves really, really well. And I think this is kind of what has helped him on defense too, especially recently. But like again, he's not necessarily fast or doesn't jump high, but like he gets through windows and makes running and shuffling look a lot easier because he's like he's a legit 6'11 and who knows but he broad shoulders and all that um he moves really well i like and when i say athletic i don't mean he's a jumping off the walls but for other guys that height so other guys who are kind of standing around him are uh poidal Zubak, mitchell robinson tyson chandler mo bamba are kind of all in that area yeah, and like Not someone like, like an athletic freak, but just more than anybody else in that category. Yeah, and going like it's unfortunate. Surge hasn't his surge hasn't been healthy, but like similar body types, I'd say same type yeah. of strength. But like Aiden gets in and out of his his moves just quicker. It, moving like looks easy. Like it feels like. He he's not going to get injured. It almost is when you watch him is what I see. No, and that's kind of refreshing to see after we've had a wave of those players standing in that sort of frame. Just have a limited lifespan on the court. Quite honestly, yeah, it's funny because now I remember he he was getting some draft comps to Embiid. Um. In a way, it kind of feels like the opposite now. I I can't really give him a comp, but yeah, no, it, it is refreshing to see. And I guess kind of thinking about these comps and the draft process, the 2018 draft going down potentially is one of the best we've seen in the past couple decades. But mm-hmm. on top of that, hopefully the 2021 draft goes down as one of those. Yeah. People say, I don't know about Kuminga, He's projected to go. He's projected to be the fifth best prospect of the draft. I I disagree. But people say that Kumingo would have gone first over Edwards last year, maybe. And people kind of almost unanimously agree that Cunningham, Mobley, Suggs, and Jalen Green would have gone first last year. So it's a good time to have the fourth pick. Although I'm in a bit of a, I'm in a bit of a haze towards who I want and how I want the Raptors to deal with the pick. Cunningham's obviously going one. I think there's a half decent chance Mobley doesn't go two, even though he's clearly, it's it's clearly a one, two type of uh, draft in terms of talent. Just because like Mobley is the exact same player as Christian Wood. And I know the Rockets aren't good. They need to go best man available, but they really are that similar. And they do seem like they're invested in Christian Wood. Having a guy like Suggs or Jalen Green, who was Harden was so good with, um, Wood off the screen and roll last year, and Wood's so good in the screen and roll, it feels like they should really get a, another playmaker with that pick. But then it's like there's no way Mobley's falling past the Cavaliers. So the Raptors, unless they trade up, they're out of the Cunningham and Mobley sweeps. I think it would be fair to say. No, I actually made a video recently talking about how <clears throat> I think Mobley could potentially fall down to the Raptors, it being a long shot. 
it would have to look something like Cade Cunningham number one. Then mm-hmm. the Rockets would need to want to be able to sell out of John Wall and not fully believe in Kevin Porter P- Jr. Go Jalen uh, Jalen Suggs second. Then there's no way the Cavs wouldn't pick Jalen Green. I think at that point. And oh no, no, no. I totally disagree. There, that's I think if 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 Mobley is on the board for the Cavaliers, he gets picked by them. I know. I I'm just, I'm just praying. I've had my eye on Mobley. Like you know, I've been standing Mobley hard. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, it's not happening. It, it could happen. <laughs> you well, we can trade up. I, I believe that. You just it, it, like he's not falling to four though. And I mean, regardless, I still do like Jalen Suggs. Like I don't, I'm not feeling terribly about that. I just, I've just been picturing this Mobley esque lineup for the Raptors. Right. Fair enough. He's like the one position and one style of play we have been looking for for like the past two years. Um, so yeah, I was just about to say, so between Suggs, Green, Kaminga, and I I personally have to throw in another one because I, I think he's just the third best player in this draft. It's not, uh, I've loved him since college, since high school. It's uh, that, and I genuinely believe he's the third best prospect for a reason. I throw in Scotty Barnes quickly. Other people would probably throw in Keon Johnson in the debate too. But out of all those guys, uh, who do you want and why? Or who do you think? Who do you think? And maybe who do you want and why? See, this is where it gets. Or, or, told- sorry, or do you want to trade out of it for someone like uh, maybe Bradley Beal or who knows even Ben Simmons? I did propose a uh, Ben Simmons day uh, trade yesterday in one of my videos where I said we'd give up the fourth and sign and trade Lowry and potentially a second for Simmons. That would be crazy. Kind of works for both sides in a weird way. And it, and um, I got, and I think the uh, reviews and comments I got on the video kind of showed how split people are on Ben Simmons. I either had people saying, this is a great trade. Simmons is already an all-star. We draft one of these guys in hopes to be an all-star. Kyle Lowry's probably going to leave anyway. He's going to go to Philadelphia. This way we can get something out of it. And other people just blatantly saying, no, 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 no. Well, that makes that's the heavy no makes no sense to me because like, okay, people, I'm I'm low on Jalen Suggs personally. That's just that's just me. I know he's like to me, he just projects to be a bit of like a more athletic, less playmaking Lonzo Ball. That's that's me. The tools he had around him at Gonzaga, like I just I'm I'm not sure on him. Anyways. If that's who people are, and people are so set on him because of how he'd pair with Van Fleet, he'd pair with Van Fleet amazingly. That's like the one thing we need, like a good athletic ball handler to take some pressure off Van Fleet and Siakam, someone who can run some screen and roll and finish at the rim too. If you were looking for that, why wouldn't you just want Ben Simmons? That's what I mean. I like When they were saying, oh, he can't shoot, I'm like, even if he doesn't learn how to shoot let's say but he's able to come back a mentally stronger player who doesn't fall apart in these key moments we'll have gary trent jr we'll have fred van vliet og has been a great shooter he's not a volume shooter but he can shoot if he's left open of course Mm -hmm. it's not like the sixers never had success with ben simmons they were the best team in the east last year they've had multiple semi to deep playoff runs and they were just in game seven one game away from the eastern conference finals Mm-hmm. With I'd yeah. say a, a less 
The paint's I also open for Simmons it. here. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. So, if if you think it's a trade, you're looking towards Simmons. I I I'd say I I'd say I do believe that Simmons will come back a stronger player, and just somebody who's already a three time All Star. We we know you and I both know that he's not as bad as he showed in the playoffs there, and I don't know. Like I said, I'm not particularly the highest on Jalen Suggs as well. So I wouldn't feel totally bad with seeing that slip out of our fingers. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say, I'll add two things. If we're going to make the pick Jalen green is not my type of prospect. I'll, I'll happily admit that the, you know, like the athletic type of volume score, but I will say, he has already shown that he can shoot 35.7% from three on the G League level. That's like a really nice little like confirmation because with a lot of these guys, like like when you draft a guy like Mitchell or Edwards coming out, you, you know they'll be able to score around the rim and maybe get to the free throw line, but you don't know how in love they'll fall with the mid-range jump shot if they can't hit the three. Knowing Green can hit the three already, I think is is a is a really super undervalued part of his his game and kind of like a reason why I think the the G League having the line there and the style of game there like having scouting your prospects from that almost it's if Green slides up ahead of Suggs I I think that could be like an interesting paradigm like if um if maybe scores go to the G League or something like this, start going to the G League because they, I, I don't know, hard to explain. I know and exactly then, what you're saying. You look at the three-point percentage of the guys around him in the draft <clears throat> and even the guys like Mobley who's kind of talked about as a three-point guy, 31% on 35 attempts from a shorter distance. Suggs is 35% on a shorter distance from a bunch of attempts from 79. But then Jalen Green, 36 on 85 three-point attempts. That's not a fluke. That's a skill that can be repeated in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's it's not so it's not only on the line. It's like the style of like three pointers that are shot are way different in college and NBA. And then my other guy, I, I, I Scotty Barnes, I genuinely believe is the third best player in the draft. I think if we get him, the offense, like I've wanted to run screen and roll with Siakam and then and, and get some ball handling relief off fan fleet for a while and obviously we need a big scotty burns is six nine seven two wingspan he played point guard he sorry i won't say that he played the, he didn't play point guard he played playmaker at fsu he is gonna enter the league as a defender who's on par with og he's a great i'm not saying he's a great dribbler he's a great passer you can always use that. And he's like, he's someone FSU, the FSU prospects have been hitting recently. Um, I really think he'll improve. And it's just, I feel like he's, I feel like he could be the second best prospect in the draft. That's how, that's how high on Scotty Barnes I, I legitimately am. I think he's that good. So I'd, I'd, I'd love to see the Raptors go there. I, like a, a front court of, OG Barnes and Siakam with no big it would be 
would be awesome is just I keep on thinking back to the we really need someone who can run some screen and roll with with Van Vliet and Siakam and, and take pressure off. But I think Scotty Barnes is is if he slides past I think he's much I think he has to go before Kaminga once the process is over. But if he slides past four or five, I think that'll be kind of like a, Ty- a Tyrese Halliburton type of deal where it's like it felt it, it feels like it was in front of all of us to me at least no i do agree with you and that's kind of i think what makes it tough with this fourth pick here where we're just on the we're in the area where the team will be expected to pick one of the four guys people have talked about this as a four person draft for months now and yeah. we're in that position but there also are guys outside of that top four like scotty barnes and i honestly um Kind of like Davion Mitchell, despite his age. Well, well, I don't uh, think we should pick him with the fourth pick. I think it'd be too much one. of a reach. I think it's too much of a reach. But regardless, it's one of those picks where you could look back on and be like, "Man, how did how how did that not make more sense?" You know? Yeah, Davion's gonna be good. He's gonna be good right away, just because of his age and experience and everything. He plays super hard too, which I really like. He'd fit in well too. It's just. He's he is not as t- close to as talented as some of the other guys in this draft. No, I that's why I'm saying it would be too much of a reach. But it always seems like those guys who are elite competitors and just want it more than everybody else, they always make it. Well, not always make it, but they seem to make it a lot more than the freak athletic guys who love the game, but like they're kind of pushed into it because they could jump a billion feet and yeah, shoot the ball like butter. Yeah. So with that being said, you're saying you'd like to see them take uh, Scotty Barnes with the fourth pick? Scotty Barnes or or Jalen Green. That's me. Yeah, I like Jalen Green as well. And I think we should give a little bit of... I know that he's completely out of our width, but just talk a little bit about Cade Cunningham and the kind of impact he could have right away with the team like the uh, Pistons. I'm happy for Detroit. Cunningham's probably the best... He'll probably be the best first pick since, I mean, obviously Doncic was drafted in 2018, but it, it, like, I don't know, like Cunningham is really good. He fits today's game perfectly. He'll match up really nicely with Killian Hayes and and they have some good rim runners for him already and Isaiah Stewart. Uh, a little roster they have going, Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Grant as well. It's a shame Dwayne Casey is coaching that team. I'll, I'll leave it on that, but Detroit's got to be ecstatic. No, I would definitely be ecstatic if I was Detroit. I mean, you don't even have to look too far past the counting stats to figure out this is a clear, concise number one pick. I mean, 20 points per game, 41% on 136 three-point attempts, two, uh, 3.6 assists, 1.4 steals. I mean... Yeah, I think he's the... I think he's the ultimate player example of you don't need to look at the stats every time, every time it takes, you don't need to know who he is. You could be watching the game for two minutes and you could immediately point out that this guy is special and he's the best player on the court and he's controlling the game. He's one of those to me. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say like his three point six assists per game. Don't even do it just justice. Like his feel for the game. And I guess his kind of, would you say hockey assists, like pass to a pass, a pass that sets up a mm-hmm. pass to get somebody open, a screen that sets up a easy, like it's just, every, it, it's, I feel like it's a 
like a, yeah, also growing effect on offense with him out there. Also, Oklahoma State was not supposed to be good this year. Like they were supposed to be a fringe tournament team. I think they made the six Sweet Sixteen. He won a lot of games against a lot of. He didn't face great teams, but he won a lot of games against teams who had rosters and programs that were better than Oklahoma State. So the little like extra like because you saw like Sims at LSU didn't make the tournament, and there's been a couple other guys who have been close to the top pick who had not great teams. But um, Cunningham also, he, again, he had the not great team, but he 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 won a lot of games. So I think that's uh, that's like the cherry on the top for me. No, it it most certainly is the cherry on the top, and he'll be the cherry on the top of this draft. And with that being said, you are listening to The Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. Have a great morning. And you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 FM. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addington in offering confidential quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388.